well, I know you come here every Sunday, and I don't know if you notice it, but uh, over there on your left, you'll see the banner that has our mission statement, uh, Making Disciples of Jesus Christ. And it borrows language that comes right from uh, Jesus, what we call the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations. So that's what we're about. That's our mission. But I also know this, that uh, our mission is dead in the water if we don't own what it means to really own our identity as a disciple. Um, a disciple is a follower. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner of life, but not in a sort of detached, impersonal way, but in a very personal, intimate way. And it doesn't mean when you're a disciple that you have everything figured out. It doesn't mean that you do everything right. This, it just means that you are sticking with it. You are sticking with Jesus, the one that you're following. Disciples are flawed but following. That's what our series is about. And our theme verse is John 8, 31. I'll put it up there on the screen. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Just hold on to what I'm saying. Let it become a part of you. You are really my disciples. And so uh, I'm going to ask you, if you have faith in Christ, to repeat after me and own this identity, I am a disciple flawed but following. And one of my flaws... Uh, and I, maybe it's uh, one of all of our flaws, but one of my flaws is that we're easily distracted. We are easily, uh, just a second. Easily, what was that? Oh, yeah, distracted. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, I have a smartphone. You are so smart. It's a computer in my pocket, it's a gateway to the world. I, I have to confess, I, I, I enjoy having a, a smartphone, but it can be a huge distraction. So Friday afternoon, I open settings, and then I tap down to battery, and I could see how much time I spent on each app in the last 24 hours or in the last seven days. I wasn't so sure I wanted to know. I thought, you know, I thought that I had cut my Facebook down to about five minutes a day. But when I looked at that, I realized, oh, it's more than I thought. I'm more distracted than I realized. And we get distracted in all sorts of ways, don't we? Um, there were nine of us at our house for Christmas Day, and uh, Trish made lasagna and crescent rolls for lunch. It was delish. Uh, I volunteered to make supper. And Trish warned me, she said, Steve, keep it simple. And I, I reassured her, I said, I'm going to have the soup mostly made ahead of time, uh, so it'll be easy on Christmas Day. But on Christmas Day, it took longer than I thought that it would to finish the soup. And then I had this bright idea that I was going to make cornbread too, which we didn't really need. I was in the kitchen two hours. On Christmas Day, I miss the card game. 
I missed a lot of conversation time. I had overdone it again. Same thing happened to the woman uh, in the Bible named Martha. Uh, now, I think there are clues in the Bible that Martha and her sister Mary and brother Lazarus were longtime friends of Jesus. We know it, that there were two occasions when Martha hosted a meal for Jesus and all his disciples. I mean, this lady could cook for a crowd. And I imagine that she's just known for her scrumptious food. She has a house large enough to host a big party and enough money to put out a big spread. You know, when I was younger, kind of a little kid through high school, I knew, I knew these two sisters named Marie, Martha and Marie Schweppe. Uh, they were my grandparents' age. And Martha and Marie were single. They were devoted disciples of Jesus. Uh, they lived together in a farmhouse, a large farmhouse, and they were well off, but you'd never know it by their lifestyle. So I have to say, whenever I read about Martha and Mary, in the Bible. It always makes me think of Martha and Marie Schweppe. So anyway, let's read about Martha and Mary. If you would, open your Bible to Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. If you didn't bring your Bible, we got pew Bibles there in front of you. Grab one of those. It's on page 1041. And if you're here today and you don't have a Bible to read, then we want to fix that. Just take that pew Bible home. We'll put another one in this week. And you think, well, what do I start reading? Well, this gospel that we're in today of Luke is a great place. Of the four biographies in the Bible about Jesus, this one's my personal favorite. So that would be a great place to, to read. Okay, we're looking at 10, uh, Luke 10, 38, where Jesus and his disciples, they had been going from place to place, and they had been spreading the good news. And then they come to this certain village where Martha invites them. She shows hospitality, and she invites them to come to her house for dinner. So I'm reading in this, and then I start counting heads. Well, there's Martha and Mary and Jesus and 12 disciples and maybe others who are traveling with them. And, you know, the more I think about that, I mean, that's at least 15 people, maybe more. And I admire Martha for taking this on, probably on just a few hours' notice. But you, you kind of get the feeling that she's up to it. She know, she, you know she's going to do it upright. Okay, we're going to start with lentil soup and fresh baked bread for the appetizer. And then for the main course, we're gonna have broiled fish seasoned with dill and garlic. And then we'll have cucumbers dressed with uh, olive oil and, and um, vinegar. And then we'll, uh, we'll end the evening with honey cakes served with fresh goat's milk. It'll be a feast for a, fit for a Messiah King. Now, of course, I just made up that menu, but kind of based on, you know, Bible kind of foods. Now, why does Martha go to all this trouble? Because she loves Jesus. She believes in him. She wants to bring the Lord her best. She is devoted to him. And as mealtime approaches, uh, Martha is just a blur of activity, you know, doing this and stirring that. And, and she, I, I kind of wonder, why did she invite her sister Mary over? Well, probably to be her sous chef, right? But what happens? Let's look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, when I read this, for years I always imagined that uh, Mary was just kind of sitting there at Jesus' feet, you know, all kind of doe-eyed and adoring. Oh, he's so dreamy. 
But, you know, that really wasn't what it was about when it says that uh, he's sitting at her feet. Sitting at her feet means that you are a disciple who, and you are learning from your teacher. Um, and so you are a student and, and you, you linger on every word because you want to get this down so that you'll be able to, to share it with other people later on. And so I can imagine Mary, she is taking notes. I mean, she's, she's taking this seriously. She's, she's asking questions. In the meantime, there's nothing so irritating as a little sister who won't do her part. I can just imagine Martha dropping hints. Well, this bread isn't going to bake itself. Who's going to peel the cucumbers, I wonder? Well, with a little help, we might have those honey cakes for dessert. Maybe even Martha even asked Mary directly, hey, would you come and help? But no response. So Martha turns to Jesus. Maybe he can get this girl to get off her duff. Well, the first sentence in verse 40, are you following with me? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, the Greek word there for distracted means to be pulled and dragged away. And that's what happens, that's what's happening to Martha. She, she's, her attention is being pulled and dragged away because of all the busyness of her task. And going on, it says, she came to him, that is, Martha came to him and asked, and I can imagine her arms are folded right now, and she's tapping her foot. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to root for Martha about now. You know, Jesus, didn't you say that, that disciples are supposed to uh, take the servant role? Well, don't let that lazy little sister sit idly by while Martha does all of the work. Tell her to get up. Be a servant. But Jesus is always full of surprises. You know, I think that is one of the things about Jesus that draws me to him so much. Is that he keeps surprising me. And yet, all his surprises have the ring of truth. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Now, saying her name twice wasn't scolding or condescending. It was just kind of for emphasis. She's worried and upset about so many things, the lentil soup, the bread, the fish, the cucumbers, the honey cakes, and her reputation as a cook. And then in verse 41, Jesus says, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. I get the idea that Jesus would just have soon, as soon rather had a bowl of lentil soup, a very simple one-dish meal, and had Martha there to have conversation and company and learning because that's the one thing needed. That was the one thing. So Jesus de defends uh, Mary's choice. Mary, he says, has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha's a devoted disciple, just like her sister.
but she's distracted. Her tasks have taken over. And yet, notice, Jesus doesn't punish her. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't tell her that she's not a disciple anymore. I can hear Jesus saying, Martha, you have a gift. You have a gift for hospitality. God meant for you to use that gift, but be careful that it doesn't go too far. Be careful that it doesn't take over. No, you've got to learn and to know when to dial it down. Don't let production become more important than people. Our former bishop, Scott Jones, always used to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. He said that here when he preached a couple years ago. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Or in other words, don't, do, don't let what isn't the main thing distract you from what is the main thing. And right before this passage in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the main thing. I'm easily distracted. I, I don't have ADD, but I have tendencies in that direction. I got to tell you, I'm distracted by the chili cook-off right now. <laughs> Yesterday, I was, uh, you know, my normal thing is Saturday morning. I kind of finish up my preparations for Sunday. But before I sat down to, to work on that, I, I posted something on Facebook, uh, something that, I don't know, I thought was kind of clever and humorous. And so every so often I'm wondering, oh, I wonder who put a little laughy face on my post, you know. And so I'm kind of getting distracted. Oh, I think I'll check again to see who uh, liked that, put a thumbs up or something on it. So I, I'm finding myself getting distracted, uh, but I'm just so glad Jesus doesn't give up on me. You know, he gently says, okay, let's come on back now. You've been distracted, but you are my disciple. Let's come on back. Well, I'd like to bring up uh, Becky Dorn. Uh, many of you uh, have, have met Becky and know her. Um, Becky uh, reads scripture once in a while here at the service, uh, sings once in a while. Some of you heard her sing at one of our Christmas Eve songs. She and her uh, daughter, Elise, did a duet. And uh, so, hi. Hi, good morning. Welcome. Hi, everybody. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Becky Dorn for those that don't know you. Um, well, I've been a member here of Faith Westwood about 15 years. Um, I discovered Faith Westwood because my two children went to Love and Learn Child oh, Development yeah. Center. So um, through that, I started coming to church. I have two children. Uh, my son Austin is 16, and my daughter Elise is, is 14. Um, and I'm also a single mom. I've been a single parent. Uh, I got divorced about six years ago. Okay. Um, so, yeah, busy, busy life. Um, but unlike anybody else, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I know one of the things that you've been a part of here at, at times here at Faith Westwood is a group, right? Mm -hmm. kind of, would you tell us a little bit about that experience that you had? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been several years ago now, and during my small group Bible study, we would start the evening off by going around the room and sharing what's happening in our lives, and, 
and how God really impacted um, the, the challenges and things like that and how they had asked for guidance and things like that. But I wasn't doing that. And it really resonated with me that I wasn't thinking how God was impacting my life. I wasn't even, the fact that I wasn't even thinking about it troubled me and I admired those people in the group that, that would take that direction. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm too busy for that. And yeah. um, I was a little bit guilt-ridden from that as well, that I hadn't been doing that. So yeah, I admired them. I was envious that they had that ability to really think about how God was working in their lives through those challenges. And yet God somehow used that and began to work in you and began, you began to evaluate your, your life in a different way. I did. I just really started um, getting overcome with uh, my house and my job. I'm the CEO of a nonprofit called Wellcome, uh, which is Wellness Council of the Midlands. And between that and family and being involved in church and other community things, I just felt like I was starting to, it was becoming too much. Yeah. And I was not being present to anything uh, in my life to the extent that I needed to be because it was just becoming too much. And so the, the word presence really started to resonate with me. And um, I'm not a big Bible reader. I, I, I get distracted <laughs> when I try to read the Bible, but uh, it was here at church that I heard the song Holy Spirit and talking about his presence and letting him be present in our life. And that moment I knew that it was the word presence. And since that time, I've opened my heart and my mind up to it now it's everywhere, and yeah. it really does resonate with me in that. So, you know, sometimes our lives, I mean, really do get too full. Um, so where did that kind of lead you as far as, um, you know, thinking about decisions and your future and the kind of life you want to have? Well, once I actually acknowledged that, that he does have a presence in my heart, I, I knew about a year and a half ago, I just, I, I think we had an exercise here at church where there were the big whiteboards, and we could come to the front with magic markers and, and write on there something, and I just asked for guidance in my career. I'd been with my company for over 20 years, and I, I felt like it was time for me to, to think about that. Um, but that was a year and a half ago, so then I thought, well, he's not listening because nothing's happening here. Um, and I'd looked at some other opportunities, but as time went on and I started to pray about it, organically something came up in November of just last year, um, and then it all made sense that now I understand why, because it's a new uh, opportunity with a different nonprofit called A Time to Heal, which is working with cancer survivors of all men, women, all different kinds of cancers on living their best life, and the job just kind of uh, happened and it came to me organically and I thought I love my job now kind of what Jen was talking about earlier but this truly does have a reason and it made sense whereas I kept thinking it's never going to happen it's never going to happen mm -hmm. so I made the decision to leave a job that I love to to go to a new opportunity um, in March so I'll be switching then and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've kind of looked to this will have a maybe a little more breathing room in your life because of this? Yes, very much so. It'll, it'll, be, um, it'll give me more time. Um, through that decision, I also, about four, four months ago, maybe even last summer, um, the house that my ex-husband and I had purchased to raise our family, we'd lived there almost 13, 14 years, um, 
it, I, I stayed in the home with my two children and it just started to things, you know, the fence started to break and the leaves were falling and it was just more and more and more and it just became too much that I didn't do anything and I became really stressed. Um, and so last summer I had, again, I'd prayed about it for some time about actually taking the, the leap to sell my home. Again, it's very hard because this is where I'd always envisioned where I would be and the neighbors and the neighborhood. So I made the decision to downsize. So I had to break it to the children, Elise and Austin, and, and they were disappointed. And I said, but it's just gonna be better. It's gonna be okay. better. We don't have this much time. And Elise, who's here, she looked at me, she said, downsize? I, I, I've never heard of that word before. And uh, I think she thought I made it up. <laughs> um, and then three days later, uh, in church, uh, Pastor Steve, you had mentioned downsize. You actually had the word up on the screen about downsizing yeah. your life. So I kind of looked down the pew at Elise. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I felt I felt very led by God to use that word too. So well, you were speaking to me because <laughs> it truly has freed me up. And um, so I made the decision, and I knew I needed to downsize. And so right before Christmas, I didn't want to leave the neighborhood. I, it's such a it's a home. It's a yeah. home. So I put on our Nextdoor app. I was getting yeah. distracted by the Nextdoor app. But I said, hey, if anybody in this neighborhood is selling a townhome, I would be interested. And it just happened to be that someone replied and said, yes, we're going to be selling it next spring. Would you like to come look? And it was exactly the ones that I had looked at. And, you know, being in the neighborhood, it's just two blocks from my house. So I'm right. staying in the neighborhood. But it all happened uh, quite quickly. So I don't recommend getting a new job, selling your house, and moving, and things like that all at once. However, it has freed up so much um, inside me to spend more time on the things that truly are important and listening to him and being yeah. present and uh, with, yeah. with Joe and, and everybody in my life and my friends. So I just feel a sense of um, freedom by it. Um, so you feel that there's some confirmation from God that you've received that sort of said, yeah, this is the right thing. Yes, and it goes back to presence and uh -huh. thinking about presence. And um, I had, again, like I said, I got real emotional in church one time when uh, Shane was singing Holy Spirit. And I thought it, the, the lyrics are, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And uh, for Christmas, I had made the decision to move. And um, my parents don't live here either. They live in Minnesota, so we don't have immediate grandparents and to help out. Um, but my mom had given me this book, and it's called uh, Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His Presence by Sarah Young. And my mom had no idea. I'd never talked to her about it, like what I'd been talking about with, with presence. And it's bailey, basically a daily devotional that um, talks about how Jesus is speaking to us and being aware. And so I was just curious as to uh, what January 28th, that is today, right? It is. Okay. <laughs> January 28th, and of course it's a little bit longer, but the, the, the sentence that is on today is, when my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life fall into place. Yeah. So when she gave me this book for Christmas, I've been reading it every day, and it's really just been... Um, speaking directly to my heart and um, I'm, I'm busy getting things ready to sell the home but I know in the end it's going to be a, a really good thing for our family and acknowledgement that by selling our home that I thought I would live in for 45, 50 years is truly not what's important yeah. um, when it means that I sacrifice my own well-being. Yeah. So. God's doing big stuff. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
Okay, how many, how many devoted but distracted disciples do we have here today? Okay, quite a few. All right, so here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to give you uh, just a tiny bit of time, but I would like for you to, to write down on a piece of paper, on a bulletin, an envelope, or your hand or something, write down what's one of your biggest distractions in life. What would you put down? Doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it kind of it enters into your life in a way that's distracting to other good things you, you want to have. So, so uh, write down that, that one, one big distraction. I'll give you just a minute to, uh, to think, half a minute to think about that. What's your one big distraction? getting something written down you got it in mind um, so here's what I'd like you to do is uh, I'm kind of daring you to do this is to share it with uh, one or two or three people around you you don't have to do this I mean obviously if someone you know shares it with you you don't have to reciprocate it if you don't feel like that's what you want to do today but um, I hope you'll give it a try share with uh, uh, one or two or three people around you what is one of your biggest distractions in life. Okay, go ahead. Take a minute. Just a minute. David and Sarah Drouse are here. They're on the other side of the aisle there from Lincoln. And they're three kids. Okay. Have you had a chance to share a little bit? I don't think you were running out of things to share, were you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, you know that we are flawed, but we keep on following you because we love you, we believe in you, we trust you, and you know our distractions. It is just so human for us to find things that, that, that pull us and drag us away from what is most valuable and what is most important. And um, so, Lord, we ask that you'll teach us during these times. Show us the better way. Uh, help us to be good listeners to know how to make hard decisions that, that free up our lives better. 
And uh, Lord, we thank you that you uh, don't uh, give up on us along the way. Yeah, when we get so distracted, you just keep loving us and calling us and, and bringing us forward. So we thank you for that. We, we love you. We, we give our hearts and lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.